0: So this is it, the very first episode of The Waypoint Podcast. Our guest today is a junior at Ohio State. He is the president of the Business Builders, which is the cornerstone of entrepreneurship at Ohio State, as well as one of the largest organizations on campus. He was named president of the year by the Fisher School of Business and has led the club to the distinction Best Programming when he was just a sophomore. He has earned the distinction of a Fisher Paysetter, which is the school's highest honor for high-achieving students. Outside of school, he has worked with many prominent businesses, including startups like GripMat and corporate companies such as Abbott. I can think of no better guest to lead the show off. So without further ado, please welcome Jack Hutchinson. All right, so Jack Hutchinson. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with us. Yeah. Um, I, again, I don't know how you do it. You got so much going on, but somehow found time.
1: Uh, I stay stay busy enough, I guess.
0: <laughs> Just enough. So let's start from the beginning because you were born in Ireland and you really grown up all across the world in so many different countries before settling in Columbus. Yeah. What was that like?
1: It was awesome. It was really, really unique experience. Um, Irish citizen lived in Chicago for a number of years, Germany for a few years, Singapore for a few years, and I came to Columbus. What's the best? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Like, I love the U.S. Uh, Singapore is amazing just because it's so different. You know, it's, it's, if you take the size of Columbus, if you're familiar with Columbus, it's only several miles wide and several miles tall as a country, okay? It's not even a city, but the entire country is a city, and it's an island, so, you're completely like, you know, not landlocked, obviously, surrounded by water <laughs> naturally being an island, right? Um, but it was phenomenal. It was so clean, uh, so safe. I was in like sixth, seventh grade when I was there. And I would literally leave school in the evenings and I would go to Universal Studios. Really? It was fantastic. Yeah, I would take the the underground. And I went with my buddies and there would be no questions asked. So, if you ever get the chance to go to Singapore, go, enjoy it. but. It's not a realistic way of living, you know, you're, you're almost on holiday all the time. But Columbus, by far, outside of that, and being realistic, Columbus has just been phenomenal. So obviously went to high school in New Albany, did a suburb, um, recently just moved to Buckeye Lake, so we're mm-hmm. on a lake now, which is fantastic, and you know, obviously go to school at Ohio State. But I picked Ohio State because having spent my life traveling, you know, I was like letting go of friends every two years, nonstop. So, you know, I, when I moved from Singapore to Columbus, I had to literally send via messenger to say to my friends, hey guys, you know, I'm leaving because I left left over summer break and everybody was traveling. So I never truthfully got to say goodbye to a lot of friends and that, that was for the most part of my childhood growing up. That developed a really gritty personality. Um, I don't think it was a tough situation. You know, I'm really fortunate to be in the, in the shoes that I am and have the experiences that I've had. but. Um, coming to Columbus and being at Ohio State now, I've been able to, like you said, put some race down, which has been fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know I was talking with Nathan Enos. If you're if you're listening, Nathan, um, definitely give us a shout out. But um, he once said that I asked him because you just became president of Business Builders. This is yeah. last year, and I asked him how does a sophomore have the confidence to be able to a meet so many people within Columbus yeah. and have so many connections with amazing people and B, become the president of Business Builders as a sophomore. Do you think that growing up in so many different countries had something to do with that?
1: Um, I think there's a part of me that has always just been extremely ambitious. Uh, I think going back to what I said previously, you know, you develop a lot of grit when you're saying goodbye to people without actually saying goodbye face-to-face. I went through um, a fairly rigorous school program in Singapore, um, the International Baccalaureate, I did the same in Germany. So very, very intense. Mm-hmm. And those group of students were always kind of cream of the crop at the top. And I was not one of them cream of the crop at the top all the time. I had to work my way up. I came from Chicago, going to school in Chicago, which is very, very, very different. You know, a public school in, in Chicago. Um, to this very rigorous program. And, and so I had to kind of push myself to excel. And eventually, you know, I, w- I was up there with a lot of the students. And so I developed, I don't want to say it's a an ego or, you know, this un, unbelievably huge level of confidence. I just think I've established a realistic frame of mentality for sure. And when I came to Ohio state, I knew I wanted to sink my teeth into something big um, and get involved as quick as possible. So to kind of provide some context, you know, I, I led a team of rowers in high school. Um, we were the scrubs, the, the team literally called us the scrubs and we we're the little fellas and in the boat after us, <laughs> which is pretty unique. But as a junior, you know, I was not, particularly very large I mean, I'm still not very large, you know, not muscular guy, but um, I was junior year of high school and I I had been rowing for two years at the time and I wasn't very good and I was kind of getting fed up and a little upset about it and there was a few other guys in my, my shoe and to provide some context with rowing, you can put eight guys in a boat. So, it was myself and seven others and our coach didn't want anything to do at the time. He's a great guy, but he didn't want anything to do with us. He had, he identified other talent as you do with business opportunities. You know, other things come down the pipeline. You go, well, this is a great opportunity, but this one's better. I have to pursue the better opportunity. And that's what he did. And so I wrangled up the group and I said, look, guys, we are the scraps. Okay. Nobody wants to deal with us. We're not going to get the time we need in the boat. And it's genuinely like this, this was a situation. And, um, for a period of nine months, we worked our butts off. And at the very beginning, when we started off together, I said, we're going to go to youth rowing nationals that year. So my junior year, when the boat was first formed, I set this goal of setting my sights on a vision, setting the guy's sights on a vision of nine months time, we're going to be at youth rowing nationals, which is ridiculous. You know, like most people don't ever make it to youth rowing nationals regardless of how good they are. And, um, for some reason, I just felt like we could do it. Okay. And I think it was maybe a little naive of me at the time and not realizing how much work would actually have to go into that. But I was able to break down that really, really large goal into smaller chunks over a period of time. And we worked day in, day out, practice six days a week. We gave up four hours of our nights for a solid year. Um, we had two days off a year. Rowing is a particularly rigorous, rigorous sport, worked all through the winter and we did well in the fall, but not, not national level, um, quality. And then comes springtime, there's a qualifier race. So this is in May. So this is what it all boiled down to was this one qualifying race in May. And we sat down as a team and we knew we had to be top th- top three in the Midwest to make it to nationals. And we thought we could be top four, or top five, but we weren't, weren't sure about top three. That race was the hardest race of my life. Blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, literally blood, sweat, and tears. You know, um, mm-hmm. Rowing is one of these sports where you go out every night and you put a callus on your hand and the next day you rip it off just because of how, how, how hard you're working. It's grueling. And that's, that race was brutal. And what ended up happening was in the last 10, 15 strokes, we were neck and neck with another boat. So we were sitting fourth, they were sitting third, and somehow we qualified. We managed to finish cross the finish line before the other team. And we went to youth nationals that year. And it taught us a very important lesson. It taught me a very important leadership lesson. If you set your sights on a particular goal for that length of time, once the team, typically, and, and, and this is a very high-functioning, high-performing team, so this is not, you know, I don't want to talk poorly about team at all, but when you set your sights on something and you work for it for so long, typically in human nature, when you hit it and you make it and you achieve that goal, it's such a relief, you know, and you you stop thinking about what's ahead. And for some reason, I have always had this mentality of what's next, what's next, what's next. And growing up, it always used to get me in trouble because I'd always ask for more. I'd always want to be further up in line. I'd always <laughs> want to go faster. I'd always want the, the better toy, you know, and, but it was a mentality. That's what it boiled down to was it was a mentality. And so we got to youth rowing nationals and we had maybe the worst race of our entire season because the goal was just to get there, not to actually do well at youth rowing nationals. So the following year, my senior year, when the team actually paid attention to us and the coach was like, okay, there's potential here. We set, set our sights on nationals, but we knew we could get to nationals. We were fairly confident we could do it again. The goal was to be in the top 10 and we worked again. We set several course records throughout the year. We built up a reputation around the Midwest. It was a blast. I mean, we literally were never took ourselves too seriously. We were wearing bandanas going down the race course. We had a boat named the little fellows. You know, we'd be going up against these, we were athletes ourselves, but really, really ripped guys. And we beat them. And you'd be like, what the heck? Like, that's ridiculous. And what it came down to, and, and the beautiful thing about rowing is, it's truly a team sport. Everybody has to be moving in the same direction, at the same pace, at the same time. And that's what we did so well together. And we did it with a rhythm that nobody else could mimic. And so my senior year, we qualified for youth nationals. We got to youth nationals, and we placed seventh. Seventh? Seventh. Wow. It wasn't our best race, but we did exactly what we said we wanted to do. It's incredible.
0: 10, which was just
1: fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. So that first year taught me a great leadership lesson. Second year, we implemented that. And ultimately, we saw the results and the fruits, which was great. Um, and it was a really good opportunity and a, and a fun time for the team. And, and those guys, you know, got on to do great things as well. And I think it, it, it's mentality that's just beat into you. So I came off this high, right, competing at youth nationals. I was like, okay, I'm going to Ohio State. There's a lot of opportunity here. What can I sink my teeth into? And so I was looking around, um, I've been passionate about starting businesses and, you know, I, I ran a lawn care business as every, you know, guy, suburban guy does when he's <laughs> in elementary school, you know, you go around and whether it's lemonade or mowing the neighbor's lawn or picking up the leaves. Sure. I did that for a few years and you know, it's not, it's not the next Yahoo or Facebook or Google, but, um, it was business and it was business building. And when I was kind of looking and exploring clubs on campus, I saw business builders club. And I was really impressed. Mike Ong was the president at the time and he had a really cool leadership team, very dynamic group. And he had talked to me and told me, look, this is what we do. We host workshops. We have this amazing alumni network, but he, he was graduating. He was graduating senior. and Most of that team was graduating. And so there was a need for succession, right? So they needed to bring somebody on who could help continue the momentum that had developed and grow the organization. And I just, for whatever reason, it's like, okay, well, I think I can do it. And so Mike, we're standing at a bus stop on high street, right outside. If anybody's familiar, that's listening to Midway, um, right outside Midway. And we're standing there after a meeting one night out of the union, we walked out of the union, we're standing at Midway. And he said to me, what are you applying for? Because leadership applications had opened up, I said, president Wow. as a sophomore. And I think that was really kind of maybe a ballsy thing to have said, but that's truthfully I, you know, that's where I felt my abilities will be best put to use. And he's like, okay. And could, I mean, seriously, kudos to Mike, because he didn't slap me in the face. <laughs> he took it and he was like, okay. And so now that's, you know, long story short, we're here where we are now, and it's been a really fun journey. And you've obviously been part of that journey as well, through last year as a member, and now as you know, VP of marketing for the, the organization. So um, it's been a blast. It was, it was a good time.
0: So going into that, yeah. because you took over this role, What was the vision? Like there's so many students out there, maybe they're joining a club, maybe they're starting something or, or they're in your shoes. Sure. What did you see? What was the end goal for what you wanted the club to be?
1: Yeah. So the org at the time has seen or through its history has kind of ebbed and flowed. And this is what presidents in the past have said. And this is what some alumni have said, you know. There are years where it's absolutely massive. I think there have been historically years where we push 200 members, which we're not quite at yet, but we're, we're gunning towards. And there have been years where we're down to, you know, maybe a dozen or two dozen folks that show up to meetings consistently. And that was when the two dozen, dozen, two dozen folks was kind of where I was taking over. That's, that's where I was succeeding. And, um, I, I knew there was just something in me. And I think it was my, my experience with rowing and being like, Oh yeah, well, we'll go compete at youth nationals. It was never this blind belief. It was never this like cockiness. It's not ego. I just genuinely believe that transformational like organizational transformations is, is something that I am so passionate about and that I have the energy for and the focus, the tenacity and the grit just to do, you know? And so I picked a hundred. I thought hundred was a nice round number. And we were putting together the team, I said, okay, guys, membership this year has to be a hundred. That's what we're gunning towards is a hundred people. And we're going to start new programs and, and do a few different things and um, continue on some of the, some of the stuff that's been done in the past historically. And, um, I just picked a hundred out of the, out of the air. You know, I just thought it was a nice number, nice round number. And. We did, you know, we we hit a hundred last year. I think we one hundred three was the official figure at the end of the year, home and rent, Wow. which was which was awesome. But it was a year's worth of work. And I personally feel like one of my biggest strengths is my ability to, from twelve months out, set a vision, set executable goals, and check in frequently with the team, check myself, make sure everybody's mentality is in the right place, make sure we're moving in the right direction, make sure everybody's comfortable doing what they're doing. I have this level of passion and care for the team and the organization that I'm able to check in and continue that momentum and keep everybody kind of honed in at once. But the most important part of that, and this is something that I have learned another lesson I've learned this year, is that you have to build out a strong team around you, right? So sometimes there are people on a team who, yeah... I can put this on my resume. I'm the VP of something, right? Or I'm the director of something and, you know, I can just talk about it. It's a great thing to talk about when I'm interviewed. Mm -hmm. We have to find the people that are really, really passionate. When you take that resume away, when you take that interview away, you have to find the people who will stick on that team and sit on that team regardless of what happens, Mm -hmm. right? And continue to push that vision forward and have that unwavering belief that it's possible. And so I'm not someone that believes in, um, believes that everything's possible of course there are certain things that are impossible especially at this point in time for sure but i am somebody that doesn't put up barriers just because you know know, joe schmoe comes up and goes that's not possible Mm -hmm. i'm the type of person that goes okay well i'm gonna try and prove it wrong you know i i'm very very motivated by stuff like that so
0: absolutely i'm not sure if you remember but um Going to Lewis Howe's event. Yeah. There was, um, I forget her name. She, um, she was. The violinist? No, no. She was one of Oprah's favorite guests. Um, she had grown up in Africa and it was very oppressive for women at the time. Yeah. And so she said that she, her mother told her to write down what is it she truly wanted in her life. She took it. She buried it. And she treated it almost as if she was watering a plant. Yeah. And so she ultimately went all the way to America. She was able to get her undergraduate degree, she yeah. got a PhD, and now she's doing tremendous things humanitarianly and academically across the world. So it's almost like you have your vision, you see it, and then you just go and you're able to execute just based off of that vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was worried there for a second. I thought you were going to ask me, what would I do if I was to write a piece of paper and bury it in the ground? What's my plan for life? <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And I think what's interesting is yes, if I set my sights to something and I sink my teeth into it, I genuinely believe that I'm there are very few people that can stop me or beat me at my own game. Very genuinely believe that. Um, if I wanted to go become the best coder on the planet, right, I know this is a really ballsy thing to say, but I I set my mind to it, I think I could do it. And I think that's human nature. I think everybody has this innate potential that some of us unlock, some of us don't, and those that don't need someone to help them kind of unlock that intrinsic drive. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I find that really, really exciting, especially from a psychology and just general behavior standpoint. But going back to, um, back to your point, like, I don't know, I, I do have this vision and I'm able to execute a long term vision, but when I'm planning my own life, you know, to think five, 10 years down the line, that's something that I actually struggle with. That's a weakness of mine because even when I'm looking to graduate, I'm a junior. I still don't really, I know I'm, I want to, you know, major in within the business school, but I don't know if I want to focus on marketing or HR or, you know, maybe some other area within the business school. So a lot of people look at me and they're like, Oh my gosh, like he's got his stuff together. Like imagine being issues. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. I'm really, really fortunate for the opportunities that I have, but I don't always have, you know, for lack of better words, together. Um, so intrinsically I know that and I don't think that's something a lot of people on the outside see. I don't know what I want to major and I don't know where I want to work in the future. I don't know what industry I want to be in. I don't know where I want to live. I just kind of take it day by day. And if there's an opportunity that comes up that kind of like spikes my interest and rings a bell and um, I think I can tackle it, then I sink my teeth into it and I go after it. So
0: and that's so true. It kind of gets to the theme of what we're talking about overall because there's so many students and either they just don't know what they want to do or sure. they know what they want to do but they don't quite have the idea of how to get there. Yeah. Um, and so what what do you see? What is your vision for currently um, education in, in the 21st century, in 2019, with people getting internships and yeah. then you know, there's a statistic that says 60% of people who get an internship and get their degree don't end up with a job they want out of college?
1: Loaded question, Alex. Honestly, I think, I don't think that the system is where it needs to be for this point in time. I don't think it's as bad as everybody makes it out to be either. I don't think there's a need to drop out from school. I don't think that everybody needs to be in school. Um, I think right now what we're finding is there are people on either end of the spectrum. There are folks who drop out and they say it's the best thing that's ever happened to them. And they'll push you into dropping out yourself and they'll try and convince you that's the right thing to do. There are also people who are just, you know, naturally, natural born academics, that this is all they want to do is, is learn, learn, learn. I think that's, you know, I I don't want to, of course, as humans, we want to be learning all the time. Um, but I think there's a core group that refuses to acknowledge that there's anything wrong and that there's not necessarily a need for change. And I think there's a happy medium somewhere in there. We're not quite at that happy medium yet. but. You know, school is right for some people, school is not right for others. We're kind of at that point on a continuum where everybody you know, as a high school you're told yeah go to college, like, come out with a degree. it's fail safe. it's the best thing you can possibly do for yourself. I don't disagree with that. I think there's you know it's a great thing to have a degree at hand. but we're getting to that point in the continuum now where I think things are going to start to change and, and you know trade skills and, and these very skilled jobs and um, very hands-on kind of manual labor jobs are, they're in demand you know, and I think we're going to see more and more people develop that level of respect that we've lost over time for, you know, a plumber or um, a builder or construction worker, whatever it is. We're getting into a mindset as a generation um, where we look at Google and we think, Oh, that's the best thing ever or startups. And that's the only, only way to go. Like it's super sexy. It's very cool. But being a founder and being an entrepreneur, and I'm not, I don't I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm not, not an entrepreneur. I haven't really started you know a massive business yet. I've been working with this club and um, you know developing the team, but we're we're at that point where that's so sexy. You know, people just want to be a part of that. That we're not really looking at those you know very high skilled um, labor jobs, and I think that's going to switch. I think pe- more and more people are going to start realizing, okay, well, that's as difficult as starting your own business, and starting your own business is as difficult and as noble as you know the, the guy who's fixing my fixing my kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think over time that that will ebb and flow. But I think we're definitely on that point in the cycle where, you know, not everybody's going to have to go to college or needs to go to college. And I think that stigma is going to pass. I think more and more people will end up in, in trade school as well or becoming a mechanic or whatever it may be, which is, which is great.
0: Certainly, and that's something that Jay Klaus once said, he said, people are really starting to find out that corporate jobs, that going to get a degree yeah. and then going to enter the workforce, it's not as safe as even some things have been considered risky. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. yeah definitely.
1: Well, I think I haven't been able to work with some entrepreneurs now, especially students. The really cool thing about developing an entrepreneurial mindset is that you are come up, whether it's an idea or a business, whatever it is, the, mind, the mentality is there that I'm a gritty person, I can get through anything, I'll get the job done, right? And I think if you go the corporate route, as equally as great as, you know, starting a company, and I'm not, I don't want to talk poorly about one or the other, um, there's pros and cons with both, obviously, that have been well documented documented over time. But, you know, there's something maybe to be said about going the corporate route and then potentially losing your job, and it's not as safe as a lot of people say it is, Yes, there's, you know, healthcare plans and you, know, you get your 401k and there's these benefits and, and whatever else, which is awesome. You know, very, very enticing right off the bat. But if you get comfortable in that position and then you get let go, well, what's your mentality? What's your mindset? Right. What do you and do? So Exactly. You've been so comfortable for so long, but I think it's so important that everybody develops this entrepreneurial mindset or maybe it's not an entrepreneurial mindset. Maybe, maybe there's another name for it, but that's what I've been calling it for, for a little while now. But like... You just develop that level of grit, that perseverance, that unrelenting belief that you can do it regardless of what happens. You know, if there's a wall put up, you can knock it down. If there's a hurdle you have to jump, you'll jump it. Whether you have never jumped in your life or you're in a wheelchair or you, whatever it is, you'll figure out how to jump it um, as an entrepreneur. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons of both.
0: Certainly. Yeah. And I think a major misconception about a club like Business Builders is that you need to a- to be in it, you need to start a, a business now or you need to have started a business. Yeah. So how does business builders support people who maybe aren't ready to take that step but just need to develop some of those skills in yeah. case they need to one day start something on their own?
1: Sure, so when we bucket our members, right? So there's three kind of core groups of, of members. We have folks who are students rather who are just interested in entrepreneurship have maybe heard about it. Maybe they have seeing, you know, a movie and they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I want to figure out what that means or I want to work at a startup, <laughs> right? So they're kind of in that exploratory phase. Then there are the folks who have the ideas, right? I have an idea for this or there's an app, you know, I want to create or, or whatever it may be, which is great. And then there's a third group, which, you know, they're the ones who are actively building a business or running a business or have their own business. And so typically what we see is there's more folks in the, you know, I'm interested in entrepreneurship group than there is the idea group. And there's even less people that are actually running their own business. And so what we can do now, what we have done is we have, and, and you were a part of this process, right? So we've developed three core pillars, connect, educate, inspire, mm-hmm. right? And within those core pillars, we have special programming. So when we look at that group that is interested in entrepreneurship, we have a really great opportunity to teach them. They're open-minded, they're sponged, sponge, they're ready to learn. So it's our weekly speak- weekly speaker series. It's our workshops. It's our startup career fair where they can go and kind of learn what our startups. It's the opportunity to sit in a pitch competition and see other students winning fifteen hundred, two thousand, five thousand dollars in cash. You know that they're going to put towards building that business. So that that kind of encompasses. And sorry, I can't forget our alumni network. You know those folks who have been part of the organization for the last almost twenty years now, two decades, mm-hmm. have been through. Each of these core groups, you know, we we have people who probably came in; they were just interested in entrepreneurship. We probably have people in the alumni my group that had ideas, you know, and then, then we had probably people who were running their own businesses at the time. So within that, right, that that's a great opportunity for us to kind of educate the those folks who are interested and maybe don't really have a good foundation within you know the entrepreneurial mindset yet. Then we have that middle group, right? The folks who have ideas. And I typically, you know, I, if I was category categorize myself as any one of these, this <laughs> is me. Okay. I have a Google doc of 30, 40 ideas, 50 ideas. I've been uh, kept going with for that I gosh, freshmen in high school.
0: Wanting to share that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and I, you know, honestly, this is good conversation because I'm somebody that hasn't really taken action on a lot of ideas. And I keep telling myself there will come a point in time, and I do believe there will come a point in time where I will, maybe it will be too late. Maybe I'll have missed my golden opportunity, missed my window in time. And, you know, there's probably you know people listening to this podcast going, wow, what a hypocrite. Sure. I mean, call me what you want. But I would put myself in this group as, you know, the, the guy that has the ideas. My mom will tell you I'll come home every night or, you know, every time I come home from school and go, I have, I have an idea. Or I'll call her. She, she's typically the one who wants to listen to my ideas or gives me the time to listen to my nonsense. But, you know, I'll be like, I have an idea. And so I have this document. And for these people, we're not capturing them the best possible way that we can, right? And I think there's an opportunity for us as an organization to maybe create an incubator, an accelerator, or a special program um, to help those people convert their ideas into proper businesses. But what we do have right now is we have mentors, right? So we have our alumni network. And those folks are so willing. You know, we're really, really lucky for... Uh, the likes of Jay or Rob or Ida or whoever else it may be that, that is committed to giving back to the organization, regardless of what they ask is. If it's funding, the, you know, the, the funding comes through. If it's speaker, the speaker comes in. If it's a workshop, the knowledge is brought and the passion is brought. If it's mentorship, you know, they make themselves available to speak with a student. We're really, really lucky that way. And so when we look at those groups, the idea group, so we have the mentors, we have the alumni network, we have the connections in the community we don't really have anything super, super built out per se, you know, within the within the organization right now, other than say pitch competitions, right? So we can provide people, you know, you put together your pitch deck, you have your idea and you go and you pitch, you pitch for funding. And hopefully the goal is you'll take that funding and go actually jump into the third group, which is I have a business, I'm starting a business, I'm running a business. Now we're lucky. We, ha- we have had a few people come out of the org who has launched very, very successful businesses our alumni is a multi, multi, multi million dollar network. You know, I, I throw that figure out there, but um, that's the truth. You look at some of the people um, that are starting businesses or are running companies, they're big, big companies.
0: And that's important.
1: It is important. It's great. It's great for Ohio State, let alone the, the you know, business builders. Um, when we're looking at this group, though, right, we bring in those weekly speakers that they can connect with and maybe they have a very particular ask that they can ask that individual when we network after meetings. Secondly, we have those workshops. So maybe there's a hurdle that they have overcome or or need to overcome. Well, maybe we provide a workshop for those folks that we can, we can help them jump over that hurdle or knock down that wall or, you know, overcome that barrier. Then we have, again, our alumni network can make themselves very, very available. Hey, you know, I've got, I've got a question about such and such. All right, well, I'll hop on a phone call and we'll, we'll get you in contact with them. Um, so there's, there's honestly, Alex, a variety of programming and you participated in the Startup uh, start Career Fair, the Startup Tour last year. We're going to San Francisco this year. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. You know, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. and, and you've been part of that team and, and the, I'm sure you'd be the first to say like the team's extremely confident. we a very good team of people who, who are diligent in their work, they work in a methodical manner um, and and we're fortunate to have those people and we probably wouldn't be where we are without them so
0: Yeah, that's
1: in a nutshell. That's that's the organization, right?
0: Certainly. Yeah So if you could say because this is gonna come out probably after our first business builders meeting, okay If you have anything you could say whether it's to someone who attended that first meeting Maybe someone that wants to come out But they're not quite sure yet or any other student that you think could you know be well affected by business builders What would you have to say to them?
1: Yeah? So, for those that are listening, one of the main questions we get frequently, right, is do I have to be a business student to be part of Business Builders? Do I have to have an idea? Do I have to have a business? And the answer is no, right? Because we just covered those three buckets. We have opportunities for everyone um, within the organization. So, if you feel that you're even interested in entrepreneurship or you're slightly entrepreneurially minded... Take the risk. You know, we're a friendly group. We have free pizza, uh, which is always right, a student favorite, but there's so many other opportunities that we'll get you connected with um, outside of just our general meetings. And if you decide not to come to meetings, but you like what you hear in the, on the, the podcast or when you go visit our website, you're looking at social and you think maybe there's something we can help you with, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. You know It's not about becoming a member. It's not about always showing up to meetings. It's just about establishing and building those new connections and helping students be able to propel themselves forward. Um, there's plenty of people in the community who have never been to meetings, but they know we've sat down with them or you know, we've had a meeting with them uh, to talk them through or get them connected with something. And we're not necessarily always the experts, but we can get you connected with the right people. So take the risk, either come out to a meeting or send us an email, ask a question, and don't be afraid. We're genuinely a really welcoming group. So um, we'll hope to see you out someday.
0: Absolutely. Jack Hutchinson, thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate it. Next week, we have Angela Rucci, the founder of Tago, one of the best upcoming safety apps. Um, They're relaunching their app coming up, I think, in about a week or so. Um, She's going to be on the show to talk about what's coming up. Stay tuned for that.